0: Today, I am discussing the case of Danielle Imbo and Richard Patrone. On the night of February 19, 2005, Richard and Danielle met up on South Street in Philadelphia. According to Richard's friend, Anthony, who spent time with the pair that night, they all had a great time. Despite the couple recently breaking up and spending a few weeks apart, Richard and Danielle were getting along just fine. Richard had his arm around Danielle, and they were spotted kissing. Just before midnight, the pair decided to call it a night, and head back to Richard's truck so he could drive Danielle home, but they never made it. It has now been 17 years since they went missing, and not a single trace of Danielle Imbo, Richard Patrone, or Richard's truck has ever been found. This is the case of Danielle Imbo and Richard Patrone. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by Quince. The weather is getting warmer, which means it's time to put away all the sweaters and pants and say hello to shorts and t-shirts. I absolutely was looking to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and I went right back to Quince for that. I personally don't love trendy clothes that I have to replace every few months. I am looking to build my solid core collection of essentials, and with the huge selection at Quince, I can do that. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from 30 bucks. washable silk tops, they have jewelry, and so much more. One thing I really love about Quince, too, is that they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. And they only use premium fabrics and finishes, you're not cutting any corners when it comes to quality. I've really been trying to play with pairing casual with more upscale pieces, so recently I just matched a silk skirt with this black tee that I just love and fits really, really well. I think it came together pretty cute. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com/justice for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q u i n c e.com/justice to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com/justice. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by June's Journey. I'm pretty sure everyone here loves a good mystery especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. You get to step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. So what does that mean? Well, June's journey is a hidden object mystery game. Essentially, you find hidden clues and uncover this mystery. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Danielle Imbo was born Danielle Otobre. She comes from a very tight-knit family. She grew up watching her father, John Sr., in the spotlight. He was a boxer and a doo-wop singer. Unfortunately, John Sr. passed in 1999 but he inspired Danielle to explore her own musical abilities. Eventually, she joined a band and they performed at venues across New Jersey and Philadelphia. Her raspy voice has been likened to Janis Joplin. Those who knew her say when she sang Me and Bobby McGee, she could turn the rowdiest of crowds docile, just completely entranced by her voice. In 2001, she married a man named Joe Imbo. Not long after, Joe asked her to quit the band, and she did. In 2003, their son, Joe Jr., was born. Danielle's family reports that when Joe Jr. was born, Danielle said she finally understood what it was like to be completely in love with someone. Danielle and Joe's marriage didn't last. Joe met a woman on an airplane on his way to the Super Bowl in 2004. When he came back, he told Danielle that he'd fallen in love with the woman and he wanted a divorce. He would later move to Georgia to be with her, but it didn't last long. He came back to their New Jersey home to try to rekindle their relationship, but Danielle refused. She'd already made arrangements with her job as a mortgage loan processor to work from home. She was ready to embrace her new independence as a single mother. It's worth noting here that Danielle's family also reports that after one altercation, in which Joe threw their child's high chair against a wall, she had her locks changed. So, it didn't appear to be the smoothest transition for Danielle. And it's clear she didn't want Joe to have access to her home. Joe also wasn't very happy that Danielle did try dating after they separated, Not long after Joe left Danielle for another woman, she started dating Richard Patrone. She met Richard's sister Christine when they were just teenagers, and they all grew up together. Now, Danielle was 34, and Richard was 35. They'd known each other for most of their lives. When Danielle was going through her divorce, she leaned on Christine, because she knew what it was like to go through a painful divorce as well. One night, when Danielle and Christine were together, Richard stopped by, and this time, the chemistry was just different. They ended up dating for a few months, but Danielle told both Richard and Joe that she didn't want to be with anyone. She really wanted to focus on herself, her career, and Joe Jr. By all accounts, Richard understood and respected this. Like Danielle, Richard Patrone grew up in a tight-knit family, He was also a single father to his daughter, Angela. Richard worked for the family business in Philadelphia, Vikings Pastries. He was there every day and lived in the apartment directly above the bakery. His specialty was wedding cakes. But he enjoyed being with his family more than anything else. He'd bring Angela into the kitchen to make whatever concoction she wanted. She'd later admit that most of them were completely inedible but she cherishes the memory she has of spending time with her father. She said he was incredibly devoted to her. He'd help her with homework, take her to see Bruce Springsteen every time he came to town, and he'd do her hair. Richard's focus was his family. So, although even Angela at the age of 14 could recognize that Richard cared for Danielle Imbo unlike any other woman he dated, he respected Danielle's decision to focus on herself and her family. That's just the kind of guy Richard was. When Richard and Danielle finally saw each other after weeks of being apart at Danielle's request, it was completely by chance. On the night of February 19, 2005, Richard was eating alone at a bar and restaurant called The Tap Room in Philadelphia. As he sat, he went through his phone to see who might be able to join him for some drinks that night, so he called his sister Christine. What he didn't know was that Christine was already at dinner with their mother Marge, Danielle, and Danielle's mother Felice. But Richard figured the more the merrier, and invited both Christine and Danielle out to South Street for the night. After all, despite all the relationship stuff, Danielle was more than just someone he dated. They were lifelong family friends. Christine had to work the next day at her salon. In fact, Danielle had an appointment with her the next morning. So Christine passed, but Danielle agreed. After Danielle, Christine, and both their mothers finished dinner, Christine drove Danielle to South Street to meet up with Richard. Eventually, the two end up at Abilene's, a popular bar and restaurant at the time. Here, they meet up with Richard's friends, Anthony Valentino and his wife, Michelle McLaughlin. According to the couple, Richard and Danielle were very friendly. Richard had his arm around Danielle, and they kissed. It was obvious they both still had feelings for each other despite their break. Danielle and Richard end up calling Christine, begging her to come out with them, saying they were having a great time. But she again insisted that she had work in the morning. In the end, Anthony Valentino says it was just a great night out with friends. Just before midnight, Anthony and Michelle are ready to move on to the next bar. But Richard and Danielle call it a night, Danielle had that appointment to get her hair done with Christine in the morning, and Joe Jr. was being dropped off by his father later in the afternoon. And Richard had plans to have friends over to his house to watch NASCAR the next morning as well. According to Anthony, the plan was for Richard to drop off Danielle at her condo just over the bridge in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, before returning to his home or possibly staying the night with Danielle. It was freezing in Philadelphia that night, so before the two couples parted ways, Richard said something about how he was super lucky that he scored a parking spot nearby, so they wouldn't have to walk far in the 26-degree weather. Anthony and Michelle start walking towards the next bar, and Danielle and Richard start walking towards his black Dodge Dakota truck. This is the last confirmed sighting of Danielle Imbo and Richard Patron before they disappeared. At 9 a.m. on now Sunday, February 20th, Danielle's brother, John Jr., is standing outside of her condo. He was supposed to meet her so he could fix a curtain rod that Joe Jr. had pulled down. He knocks and knocks, but there's no answer. When he calls her cell phone, it goes right to voicemail. But John doesn't assume the worst. He figures she must have just gone out and forgot he was coming over. So John uses his spare key goes into the condo, fixes the curtain, and leaves. He later told investigators that the apartment appeared completely undisturbed. The bed was made, the dishes were done, and Danielle's ashtray was empty. He said it didn't look like anyone had been there that morning. Around 11am, Danielle misses her hair appointment with Christine. Now this is odd to everyone. Danielle was extremely punctual and would never just ditch Christine without calling her first. Christine tries to call Daniel, and she calls Richard. All calls go right to voicemail. So she calls her parents, who call Danielle's parents, and now both families are suddenly aware that neither Richard or Danielle appeared to have made it home the night before. Christine swings by Richard's apartment. She doesn't go in, but she hears his dog barking like crazy and assumes Richard never made it home. At this point, it's gone beyond just odd. Both families are scared. And when Danielle misses the drop-off for Joe Jr. later that afternoon, everyone knows something is very wrong. It's at this point that John Jr. reports Richard and Danielle missing to the police. The families also begin calling local hospitals while John Jr. and Richard Sr. go out looking for them. They go to Abilene's. They go to every police station in the area asking if Richard or Danielle had been arrested. They drive every likely route Richard would have taken to drive Danielle home. In an interview with Disappeared, John Jr. said that as every hour passed, their hope began to dwindle as the reality of the situation set in. They drove around for 13 hours that night finally returning to Richard Sr.'s home around 7 a.m. on now Monday morning. The Philadelphia Police Department issue an all-points bulletin for Richard's truck. After all, it's a 3,000-pound truck. Surely someone will see it and call it in. So every cop in the city was on the lookout for a black 2001 Dodge Dakota truck with a NASCAR sticker on the back window and Pennsylvania license plate YFH-2319. Local police also partner with the FBI to get a hold of phone and bank records for Danielle and Richard, but they get nothing. There has been zero activity on either side. While law enforcement was putting together a plan to search for the pair, both families got to work too. They go back to Abilene's on South Street. This was an incredibly popular area. Surely, someone had to have seen something. They pass out flyers, ask employees, patrons, and people just walking by if they've seen Danielle and Richard. But they come up with nothing. No one reported an altercation in the bar. No one saw Richard and Danielle walking away or getting into his truck. No one even knew where they parked. Law enforcement was able to pull surveillance from local businesses, but Richard and Danielle weren't in any of the footage. They also pulled surveillance from bridges and tolls, but again, nothing. There wasn't a single trace of Danielle or Richard after they left the bar. There were extensive searches done by law enforcement, with a heavy focus on the area of the Delaware River that divides Philadelphia and New Jersey. They figured maybe they were in a terrible accident, Maybe Richard lost control of the truck and crashed into the river. There are four bridges that connect these two areas, but there was no sign of Richard's truck near any of them. John Jr. would even call in a favor and pay $1,200 for a local police station to fly him over the river for a few hours. They made note of what they saw, and went back on foot to investigate further. But again, there was nothing. Of course, law enforcement had to look into the possibility of foul play as well, which, as all of you know, opens the case up to an almost endless set of possible scenarios. Authorities knew that Philadelphia was plagued with car theft at this time. Just the year before, there were over 13,000 vehicles reported stolen in Philadelphia. According to one of the lead investigators on the case, FBI agent Vito Roselli, Someone could easily dispose of Richard's truck if they had the right connections. They could have taken it to a chop shop, where the truck could have been put through a shredder, possibly with Richard and Danielle's bodies still inside. The question was, who would do this and why? Danielle Imbo and Richard Patrone have been missing for a few weeks, after seemingly vanishing into thin air along with Richard's truck. There is no physical evidence, no witnesses, and a lot of possibilities for what could have happened to them. Authorities are leaning away from the idea that the pair got into a car accident while the media is running wild with theories. The case is getting a lot of media coverage, but the leads are slow to come in. So, authorities begin looking into the possibility that Richard and Danielle were met with foul play. Of course, a random carjacking is possible. Like I mentioned, car theft in the area was really bad. But without any video surveillance or witnesses to help point them towards a potential random criminal, they had to begin looking at those close to Danielle and Richard. They interview Anthony Valentino repeatedly but he gives them no indication that he could have been involved. And as far as I could find, neither family or the authorities believe he had anything but love for Richard. He was also right there with the families, passing out flyers and looking for information. Of course, they look into Joe Imbo. Joe had several conversations with Richard about his relationship with Danielle, and it was no secret he wasn't happy about it, he gave a statement to the Courier Post in March two thousand five, stating, quote, "Rich and I had some conversations on the phone two or three times. Rich more threatened me than I threatened him." End quote. But Joe has a solid alibi. The night Danielle and Richard went missing, he was about fifty miles away at a family party with Joe Jr. and his stepfather, who was a retired NYPD officer. There were also other active duty officers at the party as well. Authorities look into Richard's past to see if there was anything that could have made him a potential target. But there was nothing. No gambling debts, no outstanding feuds. By all accounts, Richard was just as nice as everyone said he was. However, both families were getting fed up and desperate for answers. Richard's family pointed the finger at Joe Imbo and Danielle's family pointed their finger right back at Richard. Tensions were high. Although it appears that things have now settled between the families a bit, at this time, it absolutely ripped them apart. Both sides decide they would be better off working separately. And the lifelong friendship between these families was destroyed. In March 2005, just a few weeks after they went missing, John Jr.'s mother-in-law gets a call from someone claiming to be a psychic. They tell her Danielle's in a boxcar under the Walt Whitman bridge, and she's dying. If someone doesn't get to her soon, they would never see her again. Now, of course, this sounds completely crazy. Who would trust a random person calling with this information? Well, for John Jr., there was no choice. He grabbed his keys and started speeding toward the bridge. He calls police along the way, who tell him outright he's insane for going, and they insist that he turns around, but John Jr. tells them there's no way in hell he isn't following up on this, and they'd better hurry if they want to meet him there. John gets to this area under the bridge where he can see a bunch of abandoned boxcars, but it's fenced off. That doesn't stop him. He scales the fence past the barbed wire and begins looking through every single boxcar, all while thinking that this is definitely a place someone would dump a dead body. But Danielle isn't there, and neither is Richard. When police arrive, he's escorted off the property and brought to the station. He told them he knew it was crazy, and he knew it was dangerous, but he couldn't live with not knowing. He couldn't let his mother live with not knowing. He had to explore that possibility no matter how insane it sounded. This really got to me. Although I can't go into details right now because of the trial pending, I've done something similar in my sister Alyssa's case. It might sound insane, but the not knowing felt worse than endangering my own life to find her. Those unturned stones haunt you. So call John Jr. crazy all you want, but it makes total sense to me. This would be the last major lead, if you can call it that, reported in the case for a while. Six months after they went missing, the families hold a vigil at Abilene's to help raise awareness, but the leads didn't pour in like they'd hoped. A few years later, a black truck was pulled from the Delaware River. The families were called, but it wasn't Richard's. Now, I was only able to find this in one report, but according to a 2014 interview Joe Imbo gave to Steve Volk at Philadelphia Magazine, around the year 2008 or 2009, authorities presented the case to a grand jury to indict Joe Imbo, presumably for the murder of Danielle and Richard, but the initiative failed. He has never been officially named a suspect, but he has never officially been ruled out. In 2010, a man named Robert Carey was arrested in a prescription pill ring bust. He took his own life the next day. There was a rumor that he was telling people he killed Danielle and Richard, and possibly left behind a note saying as much, but the FBI says this was just a rumor. They add that Carey was much more of a bruiser than a hitman, but he also has never officially been ruled out. The FBI also looked into a convicted murderer named Anthony Rodesky. This was after they received a tip that he may have been involved. Rodesky killed two people between March and April 2005. They searched his home, dug up his basement, and looked in his septic tank. No evidence that he killed Danielle or Richard was ever found. However, just like Joe Imbo and Robert Carey, Rodesky has never officially been ruled out either according to FBI agent Roselli, no one has. Now, during the course of the investigation, the FBI held a press conference stating they believed Danielle and Richard were killed as a part of a murder-for-hire plot. This made huge headlines. FBI Special Agent Christian Zajac wouldn't give much detail about this announcement, but stated, quote, If anything, they confirm our thought that this was an act carried out by more than one person end quote, reiterating that they did not believe this was a crime of convenience or a car accident, and they definitely didn't believe Richard and Danielle left on their own accord, quote, it seems unlikely they would just disappear off the grid voluntarily and remain that way for 10 years. It's not easy to do, especially when law enforcement is looking for you, end quote. But nothing came from this huge announcement, FBI agent Roselli would later state in 2014 that the murder for hire plot was really just one of many possibilities they were considering. And he admitted that the statement was made in large part in an unsuccessful attempt to shake some new information loose. He said the truth is they have no idea what happened to Richard and Danielle. And again, they haven't ruled anyone out, including Joe Imbo. Now, like I mentioned, Joe Imbo sat down for an interview with Philadelphia Magazine. He has since moved with Joe Jr. to South Carolina, but he has maintained his story and position for all of these years. He told the magazine he knows that until an arrest is made in the case, he will continue to face scrutiny and suspicion, stating, quote, "'If you haven't ruled me out, then you're not good at your job. I'm not a mastermind. I have a conscience.'" I wouldn't be able to live with myself this long after such a heinous thing. Or look my son in the eye. End quote. Joe Jr. continues to see Danielle's family twice a year. One week in the summer and one week at Christmas time. He's apparently a great singer, just like his mom. Danielle's family has never spoken out publicly against Joe Sr., and they refuse to name anyone when asked what they think happened. John Jr. told Philadelphia Magazine, The speculation doesn't do any good. It only causes more problems. After Richard went missing, his daughter Angela avoided the family bakery for years, saying the memories were just too painful. Her interviews after Richard went missing are absolutely heartbreaking. You can feel the void left in her life because of his disappearance, but it's been almost 20 years now. Angela's all grown up. When she got married, she had Richard's picture sewn into her bouquet, and Richard Sr. walked her down the aisle. She did eventually return to the bakery to continue in her father's footsteps. Her son even tags along to help make the icing and put sprinkles on the cupcakes just like she did with her dad. There's no easy way to say this. Richard's parents are still devastated by the loss of their son. Marge Patrone told Philadelphia Magazine, quote, We used to be fun, and now we're always sad. If I was them, I wouldn't want to be around me either. We're in so much pain that we could kill ourselves tomorrow. But then I wouldn't know what happened to my son. And that's what keeps me going for now. To find out what happened, and to see justice done. End quote. The good news is, this case is far from forgotten. As of recording this episode, it's been 17 years since Danielle Imbo and Richard Patron went missing from South Street in Philadelphia in 2005. There has been no activity on their phones, bank accounts, or social security numbers. No one has been charged, but no one has been officially ruled out either. The lack of information after Richard and Danielle went missing is truly astounding. I mean, there has been nothing. There have been several searches of the area, the water, even a patch of woods near Danielle's condo in Mount Laurel. They haven't found a single piece of clothing, or a piece of Richard's truck to point them in any direction. Again, FBI agent Roselli says they basically have no idea what happened but that doesn't mean this case is closed. It is very much open and being worked on, not only by the FBI, who again asked for the public's help in 2021, but also by the Philadelphia Police Department, the New Jersey State Police, the Mount Laurel Police Department, and the Burlington County Prosecutor's Office. It's also being worked on by another group that is very hopeful they will be able to recover Richard's truck. This group is called Adventures with Purpose. They are a team of people from all across the U.S. that specialize in recovering vehicles from the water and missing person cases. I actually just learned about this group and their amazing YouTube channel back in February of this year. I saw a tweet about how they found missing woman Jan Smith and her car during one of their searches. Then I saw that they have solved 26 cold cases through their efforts over the past two years. And that was just about a month ago. If you Google Adventures with Purpose, you will see that they are discovering cars and remains all the time. You will also see that they've searched for Richard and Danielle in the past. But, just as of the week this episode comes out... They've renewed their efforts and confirmed that they will continue searches for them, and they have Marge Patron's blessing. I said it before on Twitter, and I will say it again. Adventures with Purpose should be the most popular channel on YouTube, at least in true crime. They are connecting with these families and doing tangible work to recover their loved ones. They are absolute heroes, so please go check out their work at adventureswithpurpose.com. I will definitely be making a donation in honor of Richard and Danielle, and if you're looking for a cause to support, I'd love if you joined me in doing that. This brings me right to our call to action. If you can't donate, please check out their content. According to their website, quote, Adventures with Purpose operates as volunteers, strictly on donations from individuals Business sponsorships, along with ad monetization from YouTube and Facebook. We sincerely appreciate your willingness to contribute to our mission, for this is not just our mission, but rather a global movement that you are a part of in our quest to locate lost and missing people and clean up the environment in the process. End quote. Consuming their content truly goes toward an amazing cause, and I cannot recommend them enough. And, of course, as a part of our call to action, as always, please share Richard and Danielle's story and their pictures. Someone knows something. It's only a matter of time before that something is discovered. And with all of this new attention with Adventures with Purpose, I think the cause has a good shot at becoming at the forefront of the media again. Both of these families deserve answers. Richard and Danielle both come from big Italian families who miss them every Sunday for family dinner. John Jr. misses poking fun at Danielle's obsession with true crime novels, sometimes consuming up to three a week. He misses how Danielle would let him cover his eyes during Sunday football when their team was losing, and how she'd rub his head to let him know it was okay to look again. And they hear her voice every time Joe Jr. sings. Richard's presence is greatly missed at the bakery. And I have to imagine that every time his favorite artist, Bruce Springsteen, comes on the radio, they can't help but think of him. I don't believe any amount of answers or justice will fully take away the pain of losing their loved ones, but it will certainly bring them more comfort than they have now. Danielle Imbo and Richard Patrone went missing from Abilene's Bar & Restaurant at 429 South Street in Philadelphia on February 19, 2005. As of recording this episode, a new restaurant, Rockin' Flavors, now occupies the space. Danielle is a white female with brown hair and hazel eyes. She's 5 feet 5 inches tall and, at the time of her disappearance, weighed approximately 117 pounds. She was last seen wearing a dark colored jacket, a cream colored sweater, and blue jeans. She was carrying a black purse. Danielle usually wears three small silver rings on either her left or right middle finger. Richard is a white male with brown hair and blue eyes. He is five feet, nine inches tall. At the time of his disappearance, he weighed approximately 200 pounds. He was last seen wearing a gray, Polo brand sweatshirt and blue jeans. He has a tattoo of the name Angela on his left arm, and a tattoo of clowns on his right arm. Police are still looking for Richard's 2001 black-over-silver Dodge Dakota pickup truck, with Pennsylvania license plate YFH-2319. The truck may have a NASCAR sticker in the back window. The FBI is currently offering a $15,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of anyone involved in the disappearance. The Philadelphia Citizens' Crime Commission is also offering a $50,000 reward. Anyone with information is urged to contact their local FBI office. You can also submit a tip anonymously online at tips.fbi.gov. But as always... Thank you, I love you, and I'll talk to you next time. Voices for Justice is hosted and produced by me, Sarah Turney. For more information about the podcast, to suggest a case, to see resources used for this episode, and to find out more about how to help the cases I discuss, visit VoicesForJusticePodcast.com. And, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show in your podcast player. It really does help more people find the podcast and these cases in need of justice.